from the 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studio. Here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Sports talk ready to roll for two and a half uh, with you here on 600 ESPN El Paso. We've got a busy one for you today. A lot of great guests coming by and uh, man, oh man, excited about uh, today's show and uh, just uh, what's in store for everybody this afternoon. In fact, you know, you look at the uh, guest schedule for today. We've got Doc Walker coming up at 420 to talk Washington Commanders football Cade McConnell, UTEP quarterback, is going to drop by the 600 ESPN El Paso, River Oaks Property, Schoolyard Sports Studios around 5 o'clock. Lane Frank is going to be coming by around that time as well. In fact, the two of them are going to be uh, teaming up together. This should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that conversation. And then uh, we've got uh, Hags back with us at 6.15. And before you know it, it'll be time for El Paso Chihuahuas baseball. Um, I will be out tomorrow. Adrian's covering for me on the show. So uh, looking forward to uh, that, along with everything that uh, we have here in store for you today. 505-6009, our telephone number, 505-6009. You can also uh, hit us up on Twitter or X on social at 600 ESPN El Paso. And uh, chat with us on our mobile app powered by First American Bank. Adrian, I watched the Johnny Menzel Untold last night on Netflix, and uh, wow, that's all I can say. That was that was uh, about an hour and fifteen minutes of some unbelievable stuff. Uh, as that uh, sports documentary told us an awful lot about uh, Johnny Football. Yeah, I had no clue, Steve. I don't know about you, but I didn't know that he didn't come from money. Like, the documentary uh, sets the record straight. There, It was this facade that everybody had, and that's kind of why I didn't like Johnny Manziel in the moment. I thought he was real brash. I thought that he was real arrogant, and I thought the money sign and all of that was him flaunting the money that, you know, they created this illusion that he had all this money, that he came from all this money from his family but in reality he didn't have a lot of that money and that's what he chased when he was in his second season at Texas A&M getting paid to sign autographs left and right and just those stories that are told throughout the documentary are fantastic very entertaining for anybody out there at the same time it's sad because you realize that he's living now in Scottsdale um, apparently diagnosed as bipolar they have no um, there's really nothing in that documentary that tells you how he's currently doing in, in regards to his mental health and just his overall life. It's weird. Like, he's in the the Scottsdale area. He's got a beautiful house. He has all these people hanging out. It basically looks like one giant frat party for people in their 20s. So they keep cutting to, like, the current version of uh, of Johnny Manziel and it doesn't seem like he's reformed at all. It seems like now he's just doing what he wants and is is content and happy with that. And you find out he was also pretty close to a, taking his own life at some point in his career. But it's one of these weird stories because as it kind of chronicles what happens to him and his life and and his downward spiral, it's not like it leaves you by saying that he's better off now away from football at home in Scottsdale. What it just tells you is he's living in Arizona. He's got a bunch of people hanging out with him. 
And that's about it. It doesn't tell you if uh, what really his current state of affairs um, would be right now. All it tells you is this guy had ridiculous football ability. It translated to every level but the NFL. And eventually, he, you know, all the off-the-field stuff that he was able to avoid while he was starring in high school and at A&M got the best of him in, in, uh, in the NFL. Right. I felt like uh, the documentary showed you that he had a lot of demons and a lot of addictions that he battled all the time. And sobriety is something that Johnny Manziel still hasn't really, um, you know, he hasn't done that. He hasn't accomplished uh, sobriety or, you know, he hasn't even stuck to like a plan for sobriety. At the end, they show him drinking a beer with all his friends that you're talking about, Steve. So it's one of those things right there that, yeah, I find it sad. I find the story entertaining when I when. When you watch all his uh, thrills, all the highs that he had at Texas A&M, but then you see the lows and the downward spiral that he had and how people in his circle took advantage of him and people also wanted to disassociate themselves with him when he started to spiral. It wasn't like he he had a lot of family to lean on during those times with the Cleveland Browns. He wasn't even watching film no. like, the, like his agent was talking about. The iPad hours equal to zero overall. Yeah, that's what was crazy. And by the way, the uh, so there listen, uh, Menzel is probably probably pretty honest. Seems pretty entertaining cuz you know, he talks about his life and what he did and how he tricked people and how he got away with the autograph scandal in college and you know, what, you know, is partying and and really, you know, that was his priority. So, it wasn't really like he was trying to deny a bunch of stuff. He pretty much admitted to everything. His agent's hilarious. I thought the agent was great because he pretty much tells it like it was on, you know, from what his account was trying to rein in Manzel and, and keep him on focus to at least grab that big contract. And yeah, you just say to yourself, you know, my takeaway was it's amazing that he's not dead. That's that. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much the thing that I came up with when I when I finished watching this. Yeah, he could have died easily. Whether he took his own life, whether he put himself in a situation where he didn't, uh, you know, come out alive afterward after a bender, like he called it mm-hmm. throughout the entire documentary. I mean, he put his life at risk in many different situations. So it was just eye opening for me, uh, you know, to see what Johnny Manziel was going through. I don't think I've ever seen a professional athlete party like he would during the season. That's another thing. I mean, you know, some athletes like to live it up during the offseason, but then when the season comes around, they pretty much decide to get back down to business. This guy, it's amazing he even showed up for games. Right, right. I mean, I'll ask you this. What was the approval rating for Johnny Football when he was at his peak here on Sports Talk? Were people wanting to talk Johnny Football and, and they embraced it or not really? Did you feel like he had a lot of haters during this time? I mean, I thought that you know, A&M fans loved him. We used to get calls all the time 10 years ago from A&M fans that couldn't say enough about what he's done to the program and how he's turned it around. It's pretty amazing. I'm also amazed that Jamil Showers kept quiet and never said a word about Manziel during his time at A&M, considering what he probably knew just from the time they were together both battling for the quarterback job out there at College Station. That's what's even more amazing. Yeah, you notice that uh, Cliff Kingsbury is interviewed throughout the uh, documentary, but not a lot from Kevin Sumlin. So no. I'd, cur- I'd be curious, does he have a different interpretation on how this all went? I mean, it seemed like uh, J- uh, Sumlin was removed from a lot of the decisions, and Kingsbury was actually the guy who 
who worked closely with uh, Johnny Manziel, which is crazy to think. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, their offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach at Texas A&M during that time, goes over to Texas Tech after working with Johnny Football to work with Patrick Mahomes, then uh, catapults to the NFL and is working with all sorts of guys like Kyler Murray. Uh, So it's interesting the different quarterbacks Cliff has dealt with and how he was kind of the coaching uh, spokesperson for Johnny Football in that documentary. It uh, it was. It was. And and I don't know. I mean, maybe they did try to reach out for Kevin Sumlin. He denied comment. Who knows? Who knows? But, I mean, there's not really a lot to say when you realize what he was like and how Kingsbury just said, hey, as long as you get on the football field and and you can put and you can you know you can get there and play. That's all that mattered because that was at that level. Even though that was SEC football, that's really all they were ever worried about was just making sure he was there and being able to do what you know he had done prior to. Again, I found it interesting. And if and most of you out there probably have Netflix in some way, shape, or form, so if you do, um, check it out. I will say this: if you have. Um, impressionable youngsters in your family, don't let them watch it. And I mean that very sincerely. Anybody who is probably between the ages of about seven or eight to maybe, I don't know, I mean, 15, 16, I wouldn't let them watch it. I would not let them watch that. I mean, that is because it sets the worst possible example of what a an athlete can be and basically also tells you that, you know, he got to a point where he just didn't care anymore, did not care about playing football, and just all he wanted to do was party. Not exactly the endorsement you want uh, the, the, you know, the young kids to, uh, to, to see when they're watching this documentary. Right, and I don't really think he was that remorseful, and not None. saying that he had to be, right? I mean, it's not like we have to say, hey, you have to feel sorry for what you did or you have to hold uh, yourself accountable. I mean, that's not what this documentary was about. It kind of gave you the good, the bad, and the ugly with Johnny Manziel. Yep. And I also felt like, you know, it didn't give you that. We Going back to the ending, it didn't give you a good ending. It didn't give you something no. to feel good about for Johnny Manziel for his future. We still don't know. It's really uncertain as to what comes next next for Johnny Manziel. You're right. And uh, you don't know what's going to happen next. And uh, I don't think he does either. That's the weird thing about it. It's not like he's got his life in order. I mean, I guess he saved up enough money just to buy the house in uh, in Scottsdale. I'm not exactly sure how that was covered. But, you know, because it sounded like he like lost most of his money partying and gambling. I, I'm not really right. sure what he, what he did to put anything away. But, you know, look, the guy's living right now probably on the top of Camelback. Overlooking the whole city of uh, of Phoenix from from the Scottsdale area, his house looked free, really nice, and it just looks to me like you know he's now he's he's just drinking Stella Artois. That's his that's his new beer of choice because that was the beer they had out there. I think in the in the um in, in, in on the show. Yeah, just maturing a little bit, right? There you go. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, I I feel like for Johnny though, I, I don't really. I mean, I've heard that he wanted to get uh, into professional golf. I don't think that's going to happen. He tried a podcast that didn't really work out. Tried the fan controlled football as well uh, after his NFL days that didn't work out. So I I wonder if he is going to be content because he he could make a, a living off it. But will he be content mm. off selling his autographs for the rest of his life? Because you know the well, demand will be there people will still want his autograph especially in college station right that's right. for sure uh chad just texted into the program and said that uh he heard that he's opening a sports bar somewhere around college station wow okay yeah it's that's not surprising right there i'm sure he'll do very well with that 
That's I mean, right. yeah. if it's got if it's called Johnny Footballs uh, or Johnny Football out there in College Station, he'll uh, he'll probably kill it with that place because to to you know there in A and M, he's still a god. He is still a god, taking pictures, signing autographs. Everybody wants to flash the money sign with him. I mean, that's you know that's one place where he'll never have to worry about paying for a meal or a drink uh, again for the rest of his life. Yeah, he was recently inducted to the Texas A&M Athletics Hall of Fame, and that's where uh, the documentary also took place. It showed him there, and it kind of felt weird. I I felt like Johnny Manziel gave Texas A&M fans this fantasy of what their football team could be. But when you reflect back on those A&M teams, they were, you know, yeah, they beat Alabama, but what success did they have when the season was over? It's not like they hung banners for national titles. Idols. Not like they made, uh, you know, a New Year's Six Bowl or, or anything like that, where they were uh, killing teams to close out the season. I felt like those teams were good, but the way that Johnny Manziel kind of electrified Texas A&M is what Aggie fans will hold true to their hearts. So Manziel, according to several uh, with several other investors, he's going to open up a bar and a nightclub in the Northgate neighborhood. Um, it's going to be called Johnny Manziel's Money Bar. And it's expected to open in time for the home game against New Mexico on September the 2nd. Co-owner J.D. Abanez told the Eagle the name stems from Manziel's nickname and touchdown celebration that he made famous out there at uh, A&M. The new bar will mean that Manziel will once again become a staple of game days at A&M. And so there you go. I mean, that's basically what's going to end up happening. So Manziel's Money Bar will be uh, the name of it. And apparently they say that he might uh, visit the establishment throughout the season. So that could be Johnny's new hangout in College Station, Manziel's Money Bar. I like the might on that. Like, hey, he might come by, or he might come by whenever he wants, you know, and that kind of thing. And you know what? They'll profit off that kind of stuff. If he does any kind of guest appearances, that bar will be packed. There will be a ton of uh, A&M Aggie fans out there. And really, I mean, they've been searching for national relevance yep. like they had with Johnny Manziel all the way up until this point. They really haven't gotten even close to that point where they were with Johnny Manziel. 100%. Good to have you with us. Charlie's up with traffic. Then Doc Walker going to talk a little bit about the Washington Commanders. Our NFL football previews continue here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. Steve Kaplowitz here along with Adrian Broaddus. Man, Adrian, I am so excited whenever we get to bring this individual back with us on the show. Simply put, one of the best there is in this business at uh, giving us uh, some time to talk some football. He's unbelievable. He always is, Steve, and this time he gets to talk to us fresh off an offseason in which he had an ownership change within the Washington uh, club. So there's a lot to, to catch up with him about. I wonder if that changes his mood and mindset heading into the upcoming football season. He's none other than Rick Doc Walker, former Washington player, now a longtime broadcaster and a commentator. Doc, it's always great. Great to have you back on here in El Paso. How you holding up? Gentlemen, I uh, miss you guys. It's a, a rite of passage to <clears throat> talk about the Super Bowl-bound Dallas Cowboys and their um, ultimate demise in January at some point. And in the meantime, we get those two meetings, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, I live in an area, as you well know, burgundy and gold, but there's a big cowboy presence, as there is everywhere all over the country. Because despite their disappointing endings, 
year after year after year, they still remain extremely popular. And that shows you where our state of our country, that we would be not following the Super Bowl champions, but we're following hope in a team that is ultimately going to break your heart annually. As Cowboy fans uh, feel like they are in an episode of Groundhog Day that just never yeah. seems to end. I agree it with you. It doesn't. I know uh, it doesn't. The Commanders are coming off a season in which they finished 500, 8-8-1. Eight, eight, and one. And now they've got a young quarterback in Sam Howell and a division that to me is going to be very interesting given what the Eagles did last season, what the Cowboys want to do, what the Giants are hoping they will do, and how Washington can put themselves in that equation in the NFC East. Well, nobody's repeated. The one thing about our – and I'm prejudiced – because I think we have the best conference in sports in that there's never hardly a repeat champion. And all four teams are capable of not only getting into the tournament, but the team that gets in it could win it. And um, the NFC is taking second, playing second fiddle to the AFC, and rightfully so until we prove otherwise. But if you don't look at the Eagles and go, wow, then you're just completely blind. And the Giants, uh, which you'll get in the opener, now that they have that nut they had as a quarterback, uh, head coach, they're competent. They made great strides in one year of a change. And uh, Joe Judge, that was just a joke that just nobody's laughing at. And then um, the boys try to do it without Zeke, and Zeke's now a Patriot. Yep, he really was the was the soul of that organization because like him or not he delivered and i love the dude as a player um god knows if he ever decided to get in shape what he could be because he to me is an absolute beast as a back but they have a kid who's actually more productive they're always laden with talent and it's the, it makes it so interesting that it's cohesion that the champions have and they're great teams that won it with Jimmy. They had a cohesion along with the talent. Now they just have talent, but they don't have that cohesion. And, and I hope frankly, they never get it, but they could very well do it because they're that talented. And I think they have my favorite player in the league um, on defense. That kid 11 is absolutely spectacular. And I hate the fact that he's in Dallas, but, I love his work ethic. He trains like a champion. He does everything that makes him, to me, just unbelievable. And I have no hate in my game. I, if you're great, I love Emmett. Troy's a Bruin, so I love him for life. That offensive line, uh, there were guys that, that I just adored because how could you not? They were absolutely world champions for a reason. And Michael Irvin's one of my favorite players of all time. So I love the competitive thing that we have as long as we keep it keep it clean and let the guys on the field settle the score. Not us, but let them settle it. And last year, uh, beating them with a baby at quarterback just made my offseason. I went into offseason with a smile, and now we're going to find out if Sam is really the guy and if we can protect him. And that's the whole key. Uh, I'm glad you signed your guard because that kid is unreal. And I was hoping that he'd hold out, but 
you know, Jerry paid him, and he should have paid him, and he was paying him. This is one guy yeah, I got to give Jerry some slack because that kid's been paid his whole career because he's been excellent his whole career. But that's where the league is going now. Guys are whining for money, and they're making more money than ever. The league has flourished, and, um, you know, it just is an excitement in it. I'm not a hater. I want everybody to get paid. But I think the ultimate pay goes to champions, not champions on paper, but champions that kiss the Super Bowl trophy. Doc, when it comes to uh, your experience, I got a two-parter for you. Today, okay. uh, the Ravens and the Commanders had a joint practice. And now, nowadays, we see the joint practices taken more seriously than preseason games. There was actually, And there was a fight today between the Ravens players and the Commanders players. Have you, are, are you in favor of just kind of tempers getting out of, the, out of control? And then the second part of this, do you ever have uh, or do you have a story in which tempers got out of control at practice that you remember with Washington that you can well, give yeah, us here we, on the show. We we went against the Steelers and the old Baltimore Colts, and I like going against the roughest team teams you can go up against. You're just tired of hitting your buddies. So when you go into a controlled scrimmage, you get a chance to go against someone else, and you don't want to break a hand. The problem is you need your hand for everything in football. The stance, you're, you're blocked with hand. I mean, everything is so dependent upon balance you've got to be controlled if these guys don't stop fighting all they've got to do is just add another preseason game make them play five or six like we got in it was six and back in the day it used to be more than that so they got to control themselves it's a lack of dis undisciplined you got to be disciplined there's no room for it because who wants to lose a player breaking a hand over fight and none of them are fighters or they'd be in the MMA. They don't want to do that. It's really just to get a break. I think some guys fight just to get thrown out, to be honest with you. But I wouldn't tolerate it as a coach. It's bad for the game. It's bad for all the Pop Warner kids who come out to watch these these games throughout the summer. And we we got to be smarter. Doc Walker joining us here on Sports Talk as we continue. Oh, yeah, I can imagine what it was like going up against Jack Lambert back in the 80s when you were playing. That, that would be fun. When he took his teeth out. Yep. I mean, the dude looked like a vampire. <laughs> and Jack Ham, Mean Joe Green, uh, those guys were uh, became really good friends with Jack Ham and Donnie Shell. All those guys. Um, when I think about them, they have you know four or five Hall of Famers on each side of the ball, and it's a privilege to go up and, and deal with those guys. But D.D. Lewis, you know, too tall. I mean, those guys, they're just hell of the competitors, man. And Dennis Thurman, who I consider a brother. And um, there, there's guys that have played in Dallas I have a great deal of respect for. And um, the fact that we have some semblance of a rivalry or something that's considered a national of national interest, uh, you got to hold up our end of the bargain. And it's never a rivalry if you win twice a year. A rivalry is a split. And and that's what I'm hoping it gets back to, to where our games are that we play each other three times a year. That represents the old days. Because you play two in a regular and one for the championship. And hopefully those days are coming back. Because I like to see both teams really be good. The game is not the same if the Cowboys aren't. And they're always knocking on the door. 
but I mean legitimately. And I, I have no hate for Dak. I love Dak as a person. Uh, he's under enormous pressure. I think he put his foot in his mouth telling people what he wasn't going to do. I'm not going to throw interceptions. You have no idea what's going to happen. As good a player as he is, all he got to do is play ball. And if he plays ball, they're always going to be in double-digit category. The question is, January, <laughs> which has been – I have been at – I have a, one of my best friends in the world is a big Cowboy fan in our area, Cowboy Clay. And I make it my business to be at his home for that game annually. And I don't have to tell you that I have been thrown out and left in laughter almost every year. <laughs> and, and occasionally, you know, they get the last laugh. But it's always fun for me when our two franchises and fan bases engage in this as brothers, not as adversaries. I want to be into it. You know, like a family reunion, and you playing hard. We play in touch, but we play in hard, and that's what I always hope for. Rick Doc Walker with us here on Sports Talk. We're talking about the the Commanders uh, here as we continue bottom of the hour. Uh, you tell me, Eric Bieniemy uh, says that his team is a little soft, and Ron Rivera pointed that out. Um, you know what? I I like when a new offensive coordinator comes in, tries to shake some things up a little bit, and the fact is. Um, Washington needs uh, really they they need somebody to come in and and get this team going and and maybe Bienemy will be that guy and be able to call out some players that have been having it a little easy the last few years and and maybe turn up the heat a little bit. I love him to death. I mean, he is definitely what we needed. We got him. I don't know how that surfaced. Um, that was embarrassing. What he's doing is what I only think only way of football I know. Jimmy Johnson was running the Dallas Cowboys. Practice was not fit for anybody under 12 to be close to it because he got after people. And that's why the Cowboys offensive lines were the best ever because they had a, they were demanded. There was a level that you have to play with with intense Tom Landry. Same way. It was brutal. The training camps. I've been there as a, as a kid in high school. I went out and uh, to Cowboy Camp. Calvin Hill never lets me live it down. He's a dear friend, and uh, he remembers. I was there. They had the fat man's, big man's table, and my high school coach coached Cal Lewis, St. Uh, Louis Obispo, and big Cowboy fan. So I was there, and I remember those things. Those, those were very important um, moments in my life, and and so everybody, you know, has some interest at some point in their life where they've been for or against the Dallas Cowboys because you either form or against them. There's no neutral ground. And that's why they're so popular. And I ain't mad at them. I think they helped the game grow, and they helped the game grow in revenue. But sooner or later, if you're a Cowboy fan, you are dying to hit that finish line one more time and be, and be called a champion. That's true. That is true. Um, Washington, meanwhile, a little bit of a different spot than the Cowboys. They've got a very young, inexperienced quarterback. Uh, you tell me, from what you've seen of Sam Howell, what's, uh, what is your first impression? Well, anybody that can come out in their inaugural game and beat the Dallas Cowboys is my kind of guy. I love him. He's what the game, you got to be today. you got to be mobile, and you have to have a gun. He can make every throw. 
and he's got some elusive traits. But if we can't protect him, he's got no chance. You got to protect that guy. And that's going to be our challenge this year um, is that protection. And you've got two of the most, we've got two of the premier pass rushers in the game. Kids you drafted out of Michigan is fantastic. And everybody needs interior strength. Um, I tell you how good your defensive line should be. Ridgeway, we got a guy couldn't make your team, and I love him. He's one of our best. I love that kid here. He's a big old nasty hombre that gets after people. That shows you your depth. And so, um, yeah, no, I have none but respect for it. it. It comes down to secondary play. You got one of our own here from the DMV at Diggs, hell of a player. Now you've given him balance on the other side. No, talent's never been your, your problem. Your problem is execution in January. And that's what it all comes down to. We've got a lot of season to go. And I know your fan base is focused on the Giants, as you should be. And that's where it all starts. I'm envious of you because you get to start in the division. I love starting in the division. We got the Cardinals, and everybody says they're the worst team in the league. And that, to me, is fool's goal. Because we don't need to look at anybody as being the worst, finishing the last place in the East. We got to come out firing. We have horrible September results. That's got to change, and that's why I think Eric Bieniemy is exactly what we needed. The Washington schedule to me is fascinating because up until the Giants on the road on October twenty second, the Commanders only play one division game by then and that's the eagles on the road october 1st they don't get their first home game until the 29th of october against philadelphia for their first division rival and that's fantastic and i'm glad you called it that way now you like it i don't usually but as we're building a young interior it's the best thing that happened for us because you've got to get your legs wet up front, and Philly's front is the beast. The Cowboys, the beast, and the Giants. I mean, all three of our team, our opponents in the division, their strengths lie in their defensive lines. Because that's how you get to be built in the East. Because you got to stop the run. And so that's why. Yeah, you're right. Now Buffalo, uh, I think they're overrated, but they still got a lot of talent. But I live for us, and those eight games we got to play, if you don't win five of those, you got no chance. You have to be able to get into December with hope. And you know how we end. We end with you. And so the whole goal is to make that game mean something. Doc, I uh, have to ask you a UCLA question. Since you're a Bruin, uh, we're here in the in our backyard. We have the Sun Bowl, so there's a lot of uh, talk about the Pac-12. As you see it right now, and the Pac-12 possibly dissolving, what are your thoughts? UCLA has a new home going to the Big Ten. Would love your thoughts on this one. Well, yeah, I mean, as old Pac-8 guy, um, change is inevitable, and it's for the better because the money's in the Big Ten and the SEC. You want to make money, you got to have a power conference. I like the Big 12, but I'm old school. So I see the Red River, I live for that. Um, I, I just think that I'm happy that UT is back. 
they're not all the way back, but they're back to where we're talking about them the way we should. They're the richest institution in America. And so there's no reason in the world for them not to be what they once were. And I think they've done a great job in getting there. And this year, I mean, I'm expecting them to kick up some sand. But going into the SEC, brother, it's a gauntlet. And it needs to be. Because those guys get away with murder. They play three games a year. And I go, that's impossible. you got to have more challenges going forward. And now they're going to end up with about five games of note every year. And that's the way it ought to be. I think Oklahoma and UT are excellent for the SEC. And, um, you know, A&T was a big disappointment because they had all that hype about who they got in. It don't matter who you got in. It's what you develop them to become. And they stunk last year. What a disappointment. But they're loaded, and I expect them to be back. (laughs) So, to me, the NFL farm system is the SEC and not a Big Ten. And it's going to be two super conferences. And then I think we'll see how it falls out. The Big 12, they'll, they'll end up getting more bowl opportunities because now the winner of the Big 12 in 2024 and the Pac, whatever they become, they've got, they've got a chance to go to the finals. they got a chance to get a team in. Hopefully they'll get to 12 teams. And, that's, and then our bowl games will come back to life because they'll all have meaning. Cotton Bowl should have meaning and significance. And so you mentioned the Sun Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, uh, Liber- I played in the, in the Liberty Bowl against Alabama when I was in, in school. So Rose Bowl and then the Liberty Bowl, I missed the bowl games being significant, and I think we're about two, three years away from it. If I had to ask you uh, where you think Washington will finish this season when it's all said and done, give me a little uh, forecast in your crystal ball where you think they could be headed. Well, it's all for fantasy and, and wagers because I have no idea who will be on the team alive and healthy. But based on what my eyes tell me with our level of athleticism and speed that I see on this team, if they get the offensive line competitive, then 10 games should be the minimum. And then whether you go from 10 to 12 is the max to me. But it's possible because, you know, Terry McClure, you guys know him, He's a monster. And this Jahan Dotson, don't sleep on him. This kid's maybe the best route runner I've seen since Charlie Joyner. This kid, and you had one there. You gave him away, thank God. You gave away the kid to Cleveland out of Alabama, who I used to love watching him run routes when I was doing sidelines because Amari Cooper is an absolute pro. And that was the dumbest thing I'd ever seen. And thank God you did it. You got rid of him. But he he's a guy that I love watching him run routes. And not a lot of guys run great routes in this league now, but but that that's one and Dotson, we've got uh we're loaded in with the skill positions. The tight end room, I mean, looks like the San Antonio Spurs walking through a lobby. Everybody's six six or above. They got a lot of athletes. Now we got to prove they can play, but talent-wise, yeah, we passed the look test now, and so it's going to all come down to those five uglies up front. If they over, they got to play over the skis, and if they do that, 
this should be a hell of a division. Now, hopefully everybody's healthy, but that never happens. But we can't afford a key injury because we're not, we don't have depth in the O-line. And so this, to win this division, you've got to be able to take a hit and still win. And I don't know if we're thick enough yet for that. But I would say 10 is always, to me, you should win 11 games if you're loaded in pro football or you should be bullwhipped. Because the money these guys are making now, why are we not expecting more? So I expect more. If not, there are going to be some heads falling. Terrific stuff as always, Doc. Appreciate the time, the insight. We'll look forward to checking back in with you during the season. Hey, brother, I'm always there for you guys and for all the members of the Burgundy and Gold that want to get real talk, patreon.com slash Doc Walker. My podcast is for canines only. How's the podcast doing? Oh, fantastic. I love it. I love it. It's just like, it's like, it's like having it's family because they know what they're going to get. Uncut funk. That's why I say for dogs only. If you're not into the, the way we talk football, you're not going to like it. But if you want that savage approach, three days a week, I'm, I'm the guy, and we get after it. And I tell you exactly what's going what's going on. The guys got the, we just the guys got their fantasy teams together. There's people wagering on everything right now. So I give you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. By the way, you can go to that uh, Patreon site from uh, Doc's Twitter or X, what we call it now. It's at, yeah. at Rick Doc Walker on social. And uh, new episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday exclusively on Patreon. Hail Tri- to the commanders, my man. Thank you. You got it. From Doc, right back to ABC7, and then more of your calls. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Back on Sports Talk as we continue. 52 now past the hour. Cade McConnell is going to be coming up with us to begin our 5 o'clock hour. Super excited about uh, having Cade back on the show. You guys, uh, I'm jealous. You had him on when I was out of town. So you've already, uh, this is his second go-around with us now on the program. That's right. And I think that uh, he'll be back throughout the entire season for UTEP and then maybe even after that uh, to hang out with us. But uh, I think we talked everything but UTEP football last time. So uh, we talked uh, talked a little bit about his background, his thoughts on peewee football and stuff like that, and, you know, what age is the right age concussions and things like that so it's, it's good to catch up with him here today after some time do you think fans are going to be upset with us if we spend the time and don't bring up UTEP football with Cade since they're right now less than uh, you know two weeks from their first game of the season? So when we brought him on, I think uh, there wasn't that buzz about UTEP football like there is right now. There's mm-hmm. intrigue from fans, so I think we have to. We have to bring up some UTEP conversations. Okay, that's. I think that probably would make sense. I'm sure he'll want to talk about other things besides UTEP, plus Lane Frank will be dropping in also in our 5 o'clock hour. I'm excited about having the two of them together. This is going to be another first for us. That's right. Cade McConnell, aspiring sports broadcaster. He wants to work with another aspiring sports broadcaster, Lane Frank. So it's going to be great. Uh, episode 133, I believe, is dropping today for Schoolyard Sports. Fantastic. So we'll get a chance to do that with Lane when he comes by here in our 5 o'clock hour. And then we've got Tim and the Chihuahuas uh, in our 6 o'clock hour. So we are going to be busy. Uh, Adrian, you've been out to Utah football practice. I've been to a couple so far. And again, Again, like what I see, 
but we really won't know for sure until the 26th when we get to see the Miners on the road against Jacksonville State. Yeah, it's crazy to think we're only, what, now we're 10 days away, or less than 10 days away. Now we're nine mm-hmm. days away, Steve. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to start uh, talking about a game itself instead of talking all these previews and predictions and stuff like that. I'm ready for season to kick off. I want to ask Cade when he comes by. I want to find out if if they're just tired of practicing against each other. You know, doesn't there come a point? Don't you wish colleges had like a uh, a scrimmage the way the NFL does before their exhibition Ooh, games? Ooh, I like this. Yeah, we, we need more of that yeah. and some contact too. I think that's a big thing. That would probably be nice too. So we'll get Cade McConnell with us uh, here in a moment. Stay with us, folks. Sports Talk continues. Hour number two next. It's 600 ESPN El Paso. Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. Hour number two of Sports Talk underway. Welcome back, everybody. Along with Adrian, I'm Steve. Kate McConnell's uh, back with us here today. Excited about that. UTEP quarterback. He's now less than 10 days away from the start of the season. Uh, it's your second trip here to the show. Welcome uh, to the program. How are you? Thank you. Thanks for having me back. I'm, I'm glad to be back here. Love to be back here as much as possible, and uh, I'm excited for today. Thank you. Good. I heard you had a great run with Adrian while I was gone, which is nice. I, I, I like getting good reports like that. He said, he said you just you killed it, which is awesome. Well, I appreciate that. We were just holding down the fort while you were gone. I had, had to keep it down over Thank here. I, I, that's, that's very nice of you to say. Um, I, and speaking of holding down the fort, uh, you know, everybody right now is, I think, excited about uh, what you guys are doing, practicing over the last month or so, getting ready for the start of the regular football season. Is it crazy? I mean, you do it every day, so it's not as much, I guess, for you as everybody else, but it doesn't feel like we're already here. And before you know it, it's going to be next Saturday. You're going to have your first game of the season, and, and here we go. Start of the 2023 college football campaign. It's wild. Yeah, no, it's it's still crazy every year. It doesn't matter how many years you've played the sport. When it gets to this time again, you start smelling football in the air, and, and you get Get a little taste in your mouth and you're like okay wow it's it's starting to come up and then that first game creeps right up on you and you're like okay it's it's game time it's time to lock it in here does it feel uh is there get a point in practice where you say to yourself all right i mean it's fine we've we keep going up against each other but we're ready like we want to see somebody with a different helmet on than what we've been going up against time after time after time oh absolutely absolutely i think everybody gets a little bit of We've lined up. We've seen the same numbers and the same color jerseys across from us for this, you know, all these months in preparation. It's like, it's it's time to go on to the next level. It's time to do something for real now. And that's that's the beauty about football season is you know you get to go through it, and the season's long and the season's hard. But then you get that off season, and it's mm-hmm. just enough to be like, okay, it's time to do it again. It's funny because I brought up last hour joint practices and how I would love to see colleges have and universities joint practices like the NFL does just to break things up, especially if you're going to be going up against a team that you're not going to see during the regular season. I think that would be great if you could actually arrange one or two days of practices with each other and just have the chance to just work out against somebody other than yourselves, just to give you some some film, some tape that you can look at and go from there. Right, right. I mean, you know, I have no idea how that would work, but I will tell you that it would definitely be refreshing as for an offense or a defense to see a completely different look with different people across from them. You know, that's much more game simulated, um, whether it's in a controlled practice environment or not, you know, seeing different guys across from you with completely different skill sets or different looks, things like that. I mean, I'm sure that could be really beneficial. As for you, how is your second camp uh, compared to your first camp a year ago? Uh, a whole a whole lot different. I'll tell you that I got here um, right before fall camp last year. Mm-hmm. So fall camp last Last year was my very first practice ever at UTEP, and it was just trying to take in all the information of learning an offense, understanding what it's like, you know, to not live at home anymore, mm-hmm. um, just to be in UTEP's 
system, just get acclimated to all those different things. So at that time, it felt like there was just a, a fire hose of information coming in um, and, and learning on the fly, taking in as much as I can being a sponge. This year's a little different. You know, you already got a whole season under your belt, another spring under your belt, and now it's time, you know, to start refining things and start really, really understanding deeper meanings of an offense and, and being a better quarterback. Even though Dave Warner is not here anymore as offensive coordinator, Dana Dimmel is. We know it's his offense that he installs. So really, for you, not too much, I'm sure, of a difference in terms of what you need to know heading into season number two compared to what you started to learn in season one. Right, right. The the continuity um, from year to year is good. You know, Coach Dimmel's offense is great. There's a lot to it. And, you know, you got to go in and you got to have your eyes and your ears open and be ready to learn. And Coach Dimmel's done a fantastic job and Coach O'Hara has done a fantastic job of explaining things and trying to teach football, you know, to all of us quarterbacks in that quarterback room so that when we go out there on the field, you know, it's time to put what we've learned and understand why we do it so we can do it the best to our ability when it's time to go. As far as the roster and, and just the way camp is going this time around for you as you've gotten more confidence and started to learn the offense how about the rest of just how camp has has looked as far as your impressions of the team the depth um you know the veteran talent uh, back this year and all the exciting hopes that fans have uh, for here for 2023 right i think that you know the feeling is much the same among fans and among the team you know there's an attitude this year of you know, it's it's really time to go. We have a squad mm-hmm. this year that can do something special. We know we can. Um, there's a there's a special group of coaches, a special group of players, veteran guys, great leadership on the team. And ever since you know season ended last year, and we've started through winter workouts and summer workouts and spring ball, there's just been this constant incline of improvement. And now we're nine days away from getting to see all that improvement come to the culmination time to put it to the test and I have really high hopes for this team Kate if you're a backup quarterback how do you mentally prepare to step in at any given moment uh, for that quarterback spot because it's you're in a unique situation everybody gets reps and you get reps too but how do you have that mentality to step in at any time if you're called to do so yeah anytime you're in a backup position and it doesn't matter whether you're a backup quarterback or, or any other position on the field you know our job as collegiate division one athletes is to be ready to go in and help the team win Mm -hmm. so every day you go into the facility you got to be grateful first of all that you get to be there you know I think uh, a lot of times sometimes people can lose sight of the fact that we were all high school players once just thinking can I please get an opportunity to play at the division one level can I can I get that opportunity and and for all of us that are now playing we've achieved that and and to not lose sight of that and be grateful for the position that you're in is super important and if you take that every day and say I'm going to be the best player that I can be because I'm in the spot that I've dreamed of since I was five years old when I started playing football you know you take that you put it into your everyday work and when it's your number that's called and it's time for you to go out on the field and help the team in a game that's your job that's what we're here for in addition to knowing that you're on standby and you can get thrown in whenever uh, a situation like that would occur, how about some of the other job uh, duties that you have uh, on game day as, as a backup quarterback and some of the things you try to do to help the other quarterbacks, help the offense and the coaching staff? Right, yeah. When all of our quarterbacks are out there, whether we're traveling or at the home games, you know, uh, off the field, all of us quarterbacks are very close, but on the field we are too. And so we're constantly talking football while we're out at practice. And then when we get into the games, it's all about trying to help the guy that's out there. So when Gavin goes out 
out there this year. All of us quarterbacks are going to be right there. What can we see? You know, what can we help Gavin with? Can we, can we tell the coaches anything to help us? We're, we're going to give anything we see here support, you know, um, um, to, to try to give an advantage out on the field. I figured. And I've seen you with the headphones and the headset on sometimes. So it seems like you're also, whether you're relaying, helping to relay plays, but you, you've got uh, you've got your ears tuned into a lot of the things that's happening between the press box and the field, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and that's football. And that's kind of the fun aspect of, of quarterback specifically, but football in general is like the controlled chaos of football. In a football game, you know, sometimes people that are sitting in the stands, they just see the stuff that's happening on the field. They're not necessarily seeing what's happening from the box down to the headsets, from the headset to people signaling onto the field and all these different, you know, freeways of, of communication and information that are happening at one time. And that's what's fun about a football game is it can you control all those different factors and play the chess game and try to keep it organized and, and play football clean and crisp to the best of your ability. Is it also fun when you get a chance to kind of hear the plays called in and then watch them develop and see how they unfold? Because as a quarterback, you know exactly what is supposed to happen. And when you see it going on the field level and watch it develop and big things do happen, uh, that's got to make, you know, you probably have a mental note of what really is working, but also pretty exciting stuff seeing something happen from the call all the way to the end result. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one of the best things about being a quarterback and about, you know, standing right there and watching a play develop. You know the look that you've wanted in practice or you know what you're supposed to get with a certain type of play, so you're watching for that key and then you start to see it unfold and your eyes kind of widen a little bit and you're like, oh my gosh, we might get it right here, we might get it. And when that big play hits, it, it's like no other feeling. It's awesome. Yeah, I believe it. Cade McConnell with us here on Sports Talk as we continue. Cade, uh, what advice, because you're, you have a positive mindset about being on the sideline and, and contributing when you're not necessarily on the field, but other people don't feel that way. And I see it all the time when I'm covering high school games here locally. Like you'll see the sidelines, some guys are just disengaged from the actual game. So what advice would you give like young aspiring players or even coaches who have to kind of deal with that sideline control as far as engaging in the game or what's going on on the field right well for me it comes down to two things number one you know do you really love the sport do you really love the sport enough to be locked in at all times and eat up as much football as you possibly can knowing every single play that you're attentive to and and being intuitive and locked in is going to get you better that that's first secondly is everybody's had a time where if they weren't the first string or they're not out there on the field, that they've been the backup or they've been on the sidelines and then your number gets called and it's your time to go in are you going to be able to take advantage of your opportunity are you going to be able to go in and do what's right to the best of your ability and 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 do it correctly and take advantage or are you going to be the guy that you know wasn't paying attention on the sidelines and you let the opportunity slip through your fingers and football is a really tough game it's it's a hard game quarterback's a hard position Mm -hmm. but when when your numbers you know when you're on the sideline you got to be ready to go in at any moment at any given time and take advantage of the opportunity And, and and on top of that you know just because you're you're, you know you're not the starting quarterback you're not the starting receiver or or any position on the field doesn't mean that you can't be starving to get in there and and want to get in there that everybody should be when they're when they're not first in line Um, but you also have to be willing to help the team win because that's the ultimate goal is to get w's on the scorebook and you got to do everything you can how complex is this offense here at utah 
this offense has everything. You know, we can we can throw anything we want at a defense at any given time, and so that's why there's a lot to learn for it. But that's also why it makes it good. It makes it versatile, and we want to be able to give defenses anything that we want. We don't want to be shorthanded in any stretch of of any type of scheme, any formation, whatever it is. So as a quarterback, you got to take in a lot of different types of football and can't stay streamlined to one mindset. Well, I, I got to push back just a little bit, and not from my perspective, Cade, because I understand. I hear it all the time from coach. I hear it from the players, too. This is a complex playbook. But when people out here watch the offense, they might think it's predictable. Like, that's one of the things we get all the time on minor talk is, oh, I know they're going to run the ball on third down in one. I know they're going to run the ball on first down any given time. So what do you say to those fans who call this offense a bit predictable? Right. I would say that, you know, when you're standing back there and looking at the game on the surface in the sense that you're seeing, oh, well, this is a run and that's a pass. And this was a pass to the left and that was a run to the right. You know, there's a lot of different looks that go to football. There's very intricate details. And if a guy moves an inch here or an inch there, it may change the look. And and football has been has been schemed and planned out. And there's a lot of minor details that go into it. So all the plays that are being called, all the looks that are being run, every check that the quarterback makes is for a reason. We're not going out there and doing stuff because we think it feels good. Yeah. We're doing it because it's the right thing to do and because that's what's going to put us in the best position to hopefully have a positive play. Does the offense have a lot of opportunity for improvisation from your spot to where you can, uh, whether you audible at the sideline or even once the snap count uh, comes your way and you get the football, you can almost see what's developing and improvise a little bit? Or do you try to run it exactly the way the play is drawn up and designed? No, we're, uh, us quarterbacks in this system are trying to get the best play out on the field, whether that's the one called from the sideline or whether that's the one that we have to check to and see it. We're trying to get our offense in the best position to move down the field. And if we need to change something, if we need to improvise, if we need to get us into a proper look that we think is good, we're going to do that. Um, and, and anybody can see that, you know, yeah. from the stands. That's that's something that you can see if you know if if you understand football, you can understand that the quarterbacks are working every single play to make sure something's good. And, and you know, if the looks good and the call from the sidelines great, and we have to improvise after that, then then we will. Um, but we're trying to move the ball down the field with the best look possible. Tell me, do you like as quarterback the opportunity to do a little improvisation when you've got the ball where you can kind of see some things develop and maybe make something happen that wouldn't have otherwise been there? Of course, of course. That's that's some of the fun of football. You know, you watch some of these, you know, guys that are all-time, you know, great Im- improvisers out mm-hmm. on the field, the the Donnie Manzels, the Robert Griffins, uh, the Lamar Jacksons, those guys that can just run around the pocket and do things. Or, or or the guys like Peyton Manning that can improv on on real quick and make a check and get some get us into a perfect play, yeah. you know, to go forward. Those are all different type of uh, you know, working on the fly and trying to get your offense in the best position. It's good stuff. All right. First uh, segment in the can with Cade when we come back lane frank is going to join the conversation i'm looking forward to these two together and how that's going to go looking uh, for uh, your calls as well 505-6009 on sports talk let's go to charlie one and get ourselves a traffic update back here on sports talk uh, we got a party now uh, lane frank is joining the discussion he is the host of the Schoolyard Sports, joins us every week here on the show. Cade McConnell's already here as well from UTEP, uh, part of the quarterback room for 2023 and beyond. Lane, good to see you. How you doing? Good. Great to be back, Steve. How about you? Doing fine, doing fine. Uh, episode 132 for Schoolyard Sports dropping today, if it hasn't dropped already. what? Uh, tell me a little bit about what you're talking about today. 
covered a lot about football. So we got NFL preseason heading up, MLB, obviously playoff race going on a little bit there. NBA, you know, not too much going on, but great episode. Go tune in. All podcast platforms and Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Is it crazy for you that the exhibition season in the NFL is already underway? College football is, a, is less than a week and a half away. I mean, it's already all here right now, right? Have you have you had a chance to watch Hard Knocks? Of course. I haven't watched the new episode. I'm planning to watch that tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, Hard Knocks, first episode, great. I'm so excited to see the Jets in action this year. I am, too. As a Jet fan, yes, that is something I haven't had a chance to look forward to a season in quite a while. So uh, I'm ready for it, which is good. Now, you're a Giants fan. We know that. We talk about that on the show. Uh, people know I'm a Jets fan. Cade, uh, what team are you an NFL fan of? The Los Angeles Chargers, which I'm excited for this year as well. Oh, you should be excited for the Chargers. I Absolutely. think this, this has a chance to be a really good year going up against the Chiefs. I think so. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it definitely should be a good year. I'm, I'm actually really excited about Kellen Moore coming over. Okay. Um, I think that that's going to be a really good thing. And Quentin Johnson getting drafted is huge for us, too. I think our receiving core, I think our whole lineup is really stacked this year. So hopefully we can get it done and uh, get over the Kansas City Chiefs. Another person who refers to his team as our, and like, like you hate that. Like he's been playing for the Chargers his whole life. Now, if you want to talk about UTEP like that, I mean, you're you're part of the team, so of course I wouldn't argue about that. That's it. But you know, you're throwing all the uh, yeah, it's gonna be great for us and and our team. And this, what was the last time you, you suited up as the Charger? Well, I'll tell you what, Steve, it kind of might be a little bit of a red flag that you don't refer as a Jets fan to we. That's you got to take some ownership there. Yeah, right? we had a big debate about this a while ago, but uh, so I still in agree. The, so oh, in you're the sports bombarded here, Steve. So in the sports media. You are taught to not be biased, and when that and that means you got to play it fair and you got to be impartial. So they might be my team, but it's still the New York Jets. It's not my Jets because technically they're not. I mean, it's just a team I've grown up rooting for. Same thing with UTEP. I even graduated from Texas. I went to school at the University of Texas, but you don't. You, you, I don't say my Longhorns. You see, that's the difference in in broadcasting. Why? We're told. No bi- don't be biased. Uh, be impartial to everybody. So we're always we are always taught to refer to teams as the teams and and leave it at that. So, Cade, is it going to be difficult to get on this show and not refer to the Chargers as like my Chargers? And here's what we're going to do: we're going to go out and we're going to win the AFC West, as opposed to Steve. I really think the Chargers have a great shot to to contend for an AFC West title this year. You know, it may not be what I want to do to refer to them that way, but I, I could probably make it happen. I could probably make it happen. He eventually gets used to it. I mean, when I used to say our Giants, my Michigan, you'd always get mad, and then you kind of got used to it. Yeah, but if you want to talk about Coronado High School and say it's your T-Birds, you're going to school there, so that's fine. I'll, you, you know, you okay. can get a pass. You play on the tennis team, so it is technically your tennis team. If Cade wants to talk about the minors and say us, he is a quarterback for the minors, so that, that, that ultimately qualifies, right? Okay, so when you were at UT, you weren't on the football team, the basketball team. When you were to refer to them, would you say, oh, they're doing well, but you're a student there, you're part of them. Would you say we? No, I would pretty much say the Longhorns. Just keep it as the Longhorns. Why? Because, again, um, this, is, this is the way we're taught in this business. But you're a part of that. You're part but of this Texas. Is, this is, this is you know, journalism 101. Adrian, what were you taught at UTEP when you went to school and started working for the prospector? Uh, actually, I, they did not emphasize this. I, I just went. It's an old school saying. Yes. I'm, I'm seeing three to one. So, yeah. I, well, okay. I'm, I'm, I feel I'm, impartial yes. on this. But I just asked ChatGPT. ChatGPT is, you know, what we refer to it sometimes. It says, 
As a sports journalist, you can refer to a team that you're covering or a team that you're a fan of as my or we to create some sense of closeness and engagement with your audience. However, it is important to maintain professionalism and objectivity in your reporting. So that's There what it is. I think that's Chad what we all GBT do. Said. Got to be professional and you got to be objective. So that's interesting. That's that's artificial intelligence for you. See that if you give a computer enough uh, enough of a, of a uh, lesson, that's what it's going to spit out at you. I think that's why I do with especially Michigan. Obviously, you know that's my favorite team. When they play bad, I'll go on a massive rant about them, and then when they do well, I'll applaud, I'll applaud them. I'm not going to be like when we're zero and five, which obviously doesn't happen a lot. I'm not going to say, oh yeah, Michigan still has a chance to do this and that. No, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to tell my truth on it. What I think. Now let me say this: before I got into journalism, I probably talked exactly like the two of you. There was no difference. But then when I started doing this this show and this job, and and actually became educated at the Texas Communications Department, we. Learned a few things about this. So not to say what's right or what's wrong. Hey, man, if you want to say we for the Chargers, go knock yourself out. But I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I don't know. I was raised a little differently like that, Kay. That's it. I get it. I get it. But, you know, me, Lane, we're admitting we're admitting our fan bias, right? There you go. So we're, we're already admitting it right there. We're still going to be professional at we're still gonna we're still gonna keep it real as far as what our team's doing, but we've already admitted we're fans of those teams. So I'm gonna include me as one of the one of the Wii Chargers fans. Okay, so you're part of the Wii. Are you gonna stay part of the Wii team too? On on schoolyard sports, when you talk about the Giants, do you say we and our in the podcast these days? I say my New York Football Giants. Okay, but when you refer to them, do you ever say we did this or we did that? We won, or do you say the Giants won? It depends. Sometimes I'll say the Giants won. Not here. I remember you used to make me say the Giants going up against whatever team they're go up against Trey me like that. But uh, yeah, I think one of your I, first lessons. It's good to see that it's it's really uh, it's it's gone a long way. You still say my Giants, so I could tell. So yeah, for Giants, I'll talk about that. But for Michigan, always we. Okay, that's fine. You know, and and here's the thing, I softened up on this. I did. I um I started letting my listeners, my listeners, because yeah, they are my listeners. Oh. Um, years ago, I, I gave them a pass, and I said, you know what. I'm going to drop the we and the my and the our talk. If you want to do that, go ahead and knock yourself out. But then on, on social media last week, somebody asked the question about this very subject. And Jess Navarez, who now works as a Cowboys reporter out in Dallas, said that she was given a reality check years ago when she made her first appearance on Sports Talk. And I told her, no mys, no wees. So she has stopped with that talk and now refers to them as the Cowboys, unless she's talking to her friends. See, that's another thing. If you want to talk to your friends and buddies about it and you want to say, we suck or we're great, that's, I'm fine with that. I'm just talking about the radio portion of it. So if I talk to my friends about the Knicks, I might, and I'm a Knicks fan, I might say that yeah, we're terrible. I mean, but that's just me to my friends, not me necessarily on the radio. So there's the difference. There's the fine line to me is what you'll say to other people that are fans versus what you might say on the radio when you're talking about your team. Okay. I agree with that. I can understand that. I, can. I can't believe we just wasted eight minutes of this show talking about this subject. That is, that is, a, that is awful. We've done worse Absolutely awful. Have we? Yeah, definitely. This one's pretty bad. We I mean, used to you do the so? food subjects. What's wrong with the food subjects? None do with sports. <laughs> Some, sometimes that's good, though, right? Is it? You don't like food talk? When I hosted the show, it was all sports. I didn't talk about anything else. That's true. I, do, you ever, do you ever do a food review on Schoolyard Sports? Never. I don't think I've ever done anything outside of sports. Really? You never talk about like your favorite foods in ballparks and stadiums and arenas? No. Do you ever eat in ballparks, stadiums, or arenas? Of course. 
Just was curious about that. Because yeah. sometimes you get so into games, you're afraid to eat. You've talked about that on the show. You see, you get so wrapped up into Michigan football, you can't eat. That's different. Michigan football, that's definitely different. But if I'm at a Knicks, uh, Knicks game, Giants game, Mets game, I can go in between. But uh, get food, bathroom, whatever it might be. But Michigan, it's sweating the whole game. Cade, as a football fan, a sports fan, and you go to a game, a live sporting event, is food part of the entire experience? 100%. 100%. It could make or break an experience sometimes, depending on where you go. Um, but I'm all in for the food. I want some good food when I go there, and I want to watch a great game. But I, I, you got to get the food before you sit down yeah. for me. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. you got to go in. you got to get the food so you could sit down and you could really, really watch the game. It's hard because if you spend part of your game watching time in line to go get food, you've really kind of shortchanged yourself, haven't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like I haven't gotten every single minute that I, that I possibly could have. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Are the Dodger dogs overrated, in your opinion, being from Southern California? No, they're not overrated. Although I am an Angels fan, though, so then now I'm going to change my opinion and say <laughs> they're overrated. Okay. I think they're overrated, too. What, do they have angel dogs? Is that what they're called? They're like Dodger dogs, or are they something else? No, we don't, we don't have the cool names for it. Okay. We also don't have as many wins in the win column. That's so. true. That Thank is you. true. And as an Angels fan, do you believe Shohei Otani will stay an angel after this season? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. And I really, it hurts me to say it. I wish I want to keep him on our team forever. I think that he's going to, and then maybe a hot take here. We've gotten a lot of locker room arguments about this. I think Shohei Otani will be one of the greatest baseball players of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know if he's going to stay with us. I don't know. We've done a lot to try to make it happen this year, and looks like we're about to be out of the race. Yeah, it's too bad. It's unfortunate. And by the way, again, uh, the wees, I don't care. I'm letting him slide. The rest of this conversation, I'm letting him slide. So Let's see got, if I can go the rest of the episode. No we. Think, you think you should we try, try it? it? Should we Let's try it? it? Let's try it. All right. uh, Shohei Otani, where do you think he ends up? Shohei Otani, I think he ends up with the Mets, not my Mets. I think that's a very valuable option. You know, Steve Cohen probably has biggest opportunity to sign Shohei Otani. He can give him the biggest contract they want. Steve Cohen passed on that $800 million retractable roof to sign a guy like Shohei Otani with that $800 million. Now, does he want to be in New York? He's going to be with his buddy, Kodai Senga. That could work out. So, Shohei Otani, New York. That's something we could see. I still think he ends up a Los Angeles Dodger. And that's probably number two. So we'll see. And then the Yankees, number three? Yankees, number three. George Steinbrenner is gone. So I don't know if Hal ever wants to spend like his dad. That's probably the thing. He doesn't seem like he has the same spend, win at all cost mentality like his father had. Very underrated option, Chicago Cubs. They were the only East Coast team on his list. Coming out from Japan. Okay, that's interesting. Team that's on the rise right now. Nobody's even thinking about the Cubs right now. Nobody. That's a good one. I like. I just that. thought that was interesting. He was the only team. That was the only team on the West Coast that was guarding him. More with Lane. More with Cade. More sports talk as we continue. But first, let's go to Adrian and get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Adrian, thank you very much. You enjoying the uh, start of our uh, conversation here with Lane and uh, also with Cade? Uh, it's very interesting. I, I like the fan perspective from both the guys, and I think they bring uh, a lot of knowledge in every sport. So I'm excited about the, this con- uh, conversation continuing. I am too. In fact, uh, Lane, as host of the Schoolyard Sports Podcast, knowing you have Cade here from UTEP Football, is there a subject in particular that you would like to take this conversation right now? Because I'm giving you the option. If you want to have a shot at the, at the next topic, it's, it's all yours. You talk a lot of fantasy on here? We do. Okay. Should we talk a little bit of fantasy? Get I'd that going to. a little bit. Why NFL, talk yeah. preseason fantasy, some sleepers. There you some go. Top picks. Okay, let's hear about it. Who are some of your favorite uh, fantasy football sleepers for 2023? I think Quentin Johnson, definitely. One, probably my number one sleeper. 
out there. Zay Flowers looking great in practice. Ravens wide receiver. So you like the rookies because Quinton mm-hmm. Johnson had a had a remarkable college at TCU, and now he, as Cade mentioned, going to be joining his uh, his Chargers to start the season. Zay Flowers, another one with the Ravens. Uh, who else do you really like? You like the Giants rookie receiver. Giants rookie receivers, you know, could work out a little bit. I think Wandell Robinson coming back from torn ACL back will work out a little bit. Someone who I think is a really, really good sleeper over at the running back spot who tore his ACL last year, Javante Williams, really low on running back boards, but coming off torn ACL, could have a good year. That's a tough pick. It's always... But had a great rookie season. Um, Cade, you know this from playing football. How difficult is it coming back from a torn ACL, especially at a skill position like running back? Yeah, it's... Well, it is difficult, and I've done it myself. Have you really? I have torn my ACL, so I know exactly what it's like coming back from an injury like that, and it's really tough, but I will say this. Those guys in the NFL have top-notch care. They have great people that are surrounding them that that, that take care of them day in and day out, 24 hours a day, that are making sure they get back to their best because they're getting paid millions to do it. That's true. But look at how long it took Saquon Barkley to return to form following his ACL injury. He really wasn't the same until the second year coming back from that injury. But they really kind of, it was bad coaching, obviously, by Joe Judge. That was a horrible coaching job that season, but didn't give him enough carries, kind of re-aggravated almost every game, some more injuries topped on there. So I think that's the main issue. Makes, it makes sense. Kate, uh, what, how old were you when you, when you tore your ACL? Uh, my first was my sophomore year in high school. Okay, and did you have a chance to rec- You said your first. You've, you've, it's happened more than once. It has. Oh, wow. wow. It and has. Then, so you tell me, I mean, does there ever get to a point when you kind of, where you kind of question yourself and say, can I keep doing this? Or for you, has it always been about pursuing the dream of playing football and you're always going to find a way to come back? Yeah, I'm always going to find a way. And, and, those, and those times that happened in high school, you know, they, maybe a freak accident, unlucky step, like a lot of guys in the NFL. You know, it can happen to anybody now. We see it happen all the time. I feel like a whole lot more frequent than it used to Mm -hmm. um and and i like i said those those were back in high school and it's been multiple years since that happened so i don't think it's like oh can i do this is am i okay is my body good no you know you make the recovery you put in you know a lot of work over those months to come back and try to be stronger than you were before okay more sleepers who else do you like more sleepers jordan love really really good sleeper at the quarterback position that's That's interesting interesting. it's interesting i can see a breakout season they've kind of shoved him uh, first three years of his career, but you know, got a great receiver, Christian Watson, got some good running backs, Aaron Jones, UTEP legend. So uh, I'm excited to see what Jordan Love can do. Let's see if he can ball out. He was a first round pick for a reason. Don't forget that. All right. Kate, give me your take on Jordan Love from what you've seen. Yeah, you know, I mean, from a fantasy perspective, I think that it's a really interesting pick. And there's not a lot of people talking about Jordan Love in the fantasy world right now. And I can understand why, you know, but I will say quarterbacks for fantasy purposes that have got to learn from a guy like Aaron Rodgers do a whole lot better once they've learned for those couple years under their belt. You know, we know that true freshman rookie quarterbacks that come into the league don't perform very well their first year statistically. And so I, I can understand why you like Jordan Love as a sleeper. He's gotten to learn from one of the greatest to do it, Aaron Rodgers, who has a lot of different tools in his tool book that other quarterbacks do not have in the league. That's so true. Learn, you know, you, we, we saw it on the episode of Hard Knocks that just came out. You know, he's talking to Zach Wilson about a lot of stuff. And as much as, you know, I'm not sure if Zach Wilson's going to turn out to be this amazing NFL quarterback, but I can tell you that he's going to be a whole lot better than he was when he first came to the Jets after he learns from Aaron Rodgers. I like that. It's Good yeah. comparison. You like Anthony Richardson with the with the uh, Colts. I do like Anthony Richardson. I just think it's a little bit of a rush. You know, you have Gardner Minshew on that roster, who's been playing pretty good in his NFL career, can win you some ball games. Why not start him start of the season? Then let Anthony Richardson maybe take the reins. We saw Anthony Richardson in college; it wasn't so great. He showed flashes of what he could do in the NFL, but it wasn't great. Start a guy like Gardner Minshew right now, who has played in the NFL, has that experience. Do you feel the same way about Bryce Young and and also Stroud, or do you feel differently? 
Stroud, definitely. I definitely do not think Stroud should be starting, but Bryce Young, that's a little bit different. I think they can manage the game really well with him. Great receivers, Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, and then they got the running back, Miles Sanders, so I'm excited. Hang on, Adrian, you're chopping at well, the I'm bit. Just, I'm laughing at the C.J. Stroud thing. It's the Ohio State thing, but I understand, Lane. Uh, I also want to ask you, Lane, if you get number one, the first overall pick in a fantasy draft, where are you going? And then uh, let me know where you're going if you've got like a top three pick in a fantasy draft. So my rule is always to pick a running back with my first overall pick or whatever pick I have. So I think I'd probably take either Austin Eckler or Christian McCaffrey. Haven't gone number one pick yet. Highest I've gone in my league is number four. But uh, yeah, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler. All right, Kate, your turn. You know, I do share some of the same opinion as far as going for running backs early. I, I'm a little bit more with leeway year to year. I think that there's different years that running backs are more targeted heavily. Um, but I, I find myself in some leagues and stuff being without running backs and that scares me that that usually hinders my league a whole lot so I think for me if I had a top pick this year I don't think there's anything wrong with going with the number one and number two for CMC or Justin Jefferson and then if the third pick falls to me I think I'm going to go Austin Eckler we are seeing so much um what's the word I mean teams are devaluing running backs now in the NFL they really are they're drafting them uh lower and lower they're they're, they feel they're easily replaceable look at how long it took Dalvin Cook and Zeke just to get a free agent one-year contract and in PPR leagues I feel almost like teams now are, are fantasy teams are going more for the receivers in the beginning because they get the points and a lot of running backs are now facing uh, timeshares where before you knew they would get the bulk of the carries. Now there's so many two running back by committees approaching in the NFL. Yeah, and if I run back committees, I like to say, can never have enough running backs. The Jets showing that right now. You know, they have Brees Hall, they have Michael Carter. They say, hey, let's get Dalvin Cook. Let's see what he can do on maybe a third down, second down when Michael Carter and Brees Hall need a break and vice versa. So running back by committee, I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah. I think as far as an NFL team perspective, I think running back by committee is a great thing. We're seeing that this year with UTEP's offense, with our running back room that is absolutely loaded with Deion Hankins at the front of that, you know, leading the way. But we have a lot of really good guys in the room that can do something. That's just better for our football team. But as far as fantasy purposes go, you'd love to get that bell cow back in the offense that's the three down back, runs all the way through and, and racks up a lot of points. And as far as the receiving back stuff goes for fantasy, you know, it's just if you average almost – five yards a carry as a running back on the ground that's amazing but averaging five yards a pass isn't necessarily as impressive so that receiving option for running backs can be a huge boost in fantasy when we come back we'll find out what other ohio state players that lane hates when it comes to fantasy in the nfl you won't even draft an ohio state player will you i did you did garrett wilson first time ever wow he's the only ohio state player i'll ever like Okay, Texas so you, guy. That, that, that's exactly, exactly. He is a Texas exactly. guy. That is true. Plus, one of our listeners is already taking a shot at Lane and Michigan. Okay. We'll tell you who and why when we come back. More sports talk in a moment. 600 ESPN El Paso. As we continue with Lane Frank, Cade McConnell, Schoolyard Sports episode. Uh, this is uh, now episode, what, 132? 132. Which drops uh, here tonight. It already has, actually, on all platforms. That's right. You're excited? Yeah. Uh, you're excited also about uh, heading to Los Angeles tomorrow. This is going to be very cool because anybody that's watched your podcast knows that you get an opportunity once a year to interview some of the biggest names in all of sports. Yeah, I was actually looking back on it today, the amount of people I got to interview on the red carpet last year, I remember just seeing Jerry Rice stop by and be like, hey, Jerry, can I get an interview? Gives me a two-minute interview, Ray Lewis, just so many people, Bill Walton for NBA, Taco Fall. Yeah, it was a great time. Bill Walton seems like the coolest guy ever. He that's, really does. That's he my seems favorite interview ever. 
Yeah, I can imagine. What an opportunity, huh? That yeah. sounds like such a fun time. That's a dream just for people who love sports to be in that situation right yeah, there. Really That's fun. pretty cool. It is It is a good time. I'm hoping you get a chance to talk to Marvin Menzies, the former NMSU basketball coach. I know he's a big fan. Yeah, there'll be. A, I think Rodney Terry's going to be there. Ah, yeah, I haven't be. seen Rodney in a while. Yeah, that'll that'll be, be interesting. That'll be fun to see Rodney. Last year I got to interview Lakers head coach Darvin Ham. He was great. So, uh, Adrian, I am going to actually be like, Lane's assistant tomorrow. That's right. the best way to put this. I'm going to be his gopher. I mean, I've always wanted, listen, after all, after 20 years in the business, I want to be uh, Lane's gopher to go help him with these things. Would you like me to call in during the show and at that point just tell you who Lane is talking to? I'll probably have to get out of the shot because I don't want to ruin it for him. But, I mean, you know, chances are in the middle of the program he's going to be talking to some big people out there, uh, uh, you know, on the red carpet. Yeah, I think we need a conference call. I think we need both of you guys in that, if that's the case, especially if there's some big A-list guys. I mean, Lane, I'll throw it back to you. What are some, like, realistic interviews that you're hoping to get this weekend? So some of the big names that I know are going to be there, John McEnroe, you know, obviously tennis legend. I play tennis. Johnny Menzel is going to be there. Drew Brees is being honored. Michael Phelps is being honored. So, yeah, it'll be a great time. A lot more athletes are going to be there. Paul Pierce, so I got last year. Yeah, it'll be fun. Did you ever hear about the, our, Drew, our Drew Brees story? So last year we're, we're interviewing uh, Pat Mac. Actually, this year it was, we were at the Super Bowl. We were talking to Pat right. McAfee, and we were in uh, Phoenix at Radio Row for the Super Bowl. And as soon as McAfee was, like, wrapping up, you hear somebody yelling like, hey, Pat, Pat, and he just blows him off, didn't hear him. It was Drew Brees trying to get attention to Pat McAfee, and Pat just completely ignored him. And then he had to go on social media and apologize to Drew because once the video came out, it didn't look so good for Pat. He felt terrible about it. Did it show you guys in it? What's that? Were you guys in the clip? No, we weren't in that clip, but it was it was it was pretty entertaining to see how that whole thing was working out. <laughs> we we ended up getting pad just a little bit, I think, either before or after that. Adrian, was it before or after that? Yeah, happened? it was. At, it was like a little scrum, so a lot of people were trying to get Pat McAfee's attention. It was right after the fact, and or right before we had him on. And yeah, Drew Brees who came by. We didn't know him from Adam. Like he yeah. just walked right past us as well. By the way, uh, Cade. Pat McAfee is a good reason to know that no matter what happens in life, anybody that plays professional sports could have an opportunity to make it huge in our business. Exactly. And you know what? That's number re- number one reason why, you know, as, as I want to go into this line of work and, and be an athlete at the same time, being a great athlete and a great college quarterback is intertwined with what I'd like to do in the future. So it's ever more important to be the best football player you can be. I love that. That is yeah. good. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that. Um, you're going to be ready to go. And you got, did you already have all these questions ready in your head that you're just going to fire at people left and right? You know, last year was kind of interesting because I just saw people as they came. I remember the first one was Ozzy Smith, and I was like, oh, what do I ask him? What do I ask him? And I just came up with some in my head. So I usually have the first question going, and then I just improvise on that after. Good. I like that. That's my kind of interview. You yeah. know, have the first one ready, and then whatever happens after that, you can start going from there. That'll be perfect. Yeah, got to work on my mic skills this year, but uh, a little bit bad last year. Are you going to try and uh, do something to get John McEnroe to snap at you, or will you uh, hope that he you know, is on his best behavior and doesn't have any issues? I hope he's on his best behavior. You know, We have a tennis tournament tomorrow that I won't be going to, so I'm going to try to get John McEnroe to say, go T-Birds or something to make up for it. Oh, that would be phenomenal. Be and by the way, for you being a tennis player, talking to Johnny Mack, that's like that's, that's like the coolest thing you could possibly have happen, right? Yeah, I'm excited for it. I don't blame you. 
So people used to call me McEnroe when I was your age because I looked like him. I had the same kind of hairdo, and you know, I kind of looked a little bit like Johnny Mac, except I just I didn't have his temper just at the not time. Not that blessism and the temper. Yeah, I kept the temper to a minimum, at least not not in public like he did. Okay. You know, he tried to do everything. So yours a little bit higher. Yeah, my temper. <laughs> It gets it gets interesting at times. It can, but I, I, I'm on my best behavior, right, Adrian? I don't usually yeah. blow up on this show very often, do I? I've never seen you blow up, so that's yeah. And how many years have you worked with me? Yeah, this is year six. So. Look at that. Wow. So you got to You got to You know when it uh, when when it let that temper come out. You too for me. That's good. Um, do we ever see the temper from you on the football field during the games, Kay? Do you I, ever let the temper just uh, get the best of you? I believe that there's a time and a place for everything. I would say that when I personally play football, I try to keep even keel as much as I possibly can because I think that's the the best that I am at quarterback is is smooth temper, staying cool, staying calm. That's how I play my best. But there's always a time and a place in a game to try to get guys going around you or the heat of the moment in the battle because you don't like the guys across from you very much that I can absolutely snap if, if that come, push comes to shove. Um, but no, normally playing, I, I try to keep it cool. But you're a competitor, which means you've got a fire to you. So so it's it's fun because you want to keep it cool, but I know you also probably have that 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 it factor that everybody has in in, in competition where you want to beat your opponent, and sometimes you, you probably get a little emotional during that, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It, to be to play at a high level, whether that's Division One college football, NFL, any high level sports, you got to have a fire that burns with inside of you, especially for the sport of football because of the physicality and how much passion the sport is played with. Um, but specifically at quarterback there's a whole lot that's got to go through your head and so for me you know I'm not a guy that plays like Baker Mayfield you know he plays with a lot of fire outward passion and stuff like that that's that's not necessarily my game I think more like you know like for example like Bryce Young he plays very even keeled very calm Jalen Hurts plays very cool calm right keeps it keeps it mellow and there's also times where you've seen those guys you know get fiery or or they get up when they need to sure so I got that inside of me too uh just if it it has to come out it's got to come out on the tennis courts are there a lot of is there a lot of fire with you or how do you play I think I'm kind of like a Joe Burr you know I'm not gonna go crazy mad but I'll still get a little bit angry and then I'm gonna get super excited and I win a point I like to think of it as if you're not mad when you're losing there's no point in being excited when you're winning, okay, that's so great. That, that is, I like, I like the way that you're approaching that. that that's, yeah. that's good. Yeah. All right, look, two of you. We'll come back. We'll do one more segment together. We'll keep you here till about six fifteen. Then we'll do some Chihuahuas baseball. Dallas Cowboys update coming up top of the hour right here. Six hundred ESPN El Paso. From the six hundred ESPN El Paso River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studio. Here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. Here we go. We've got thirty minutes left to go on the program. Lane Frank with us, the host of Schoolyard Sports from the aforementioned River Oaks property, Schoolyard Sports Studios here at 600 ESPN El Paso. Cade McConnell with us as well. We're going to be seeing a lot of Cade over the next uh, six uh, months to a year. I mean, the beautiful thing about uh, this place is, uh, you know, you're going to definitely have a chance to get comfortable around here, drop in, and I'm sure this will not be uh, the uh, last conversation that you will have with Lane Frank. Wouldn't be surprised if the two of you do a lot more of this here down the road. No, I've had a great time. Last time I was here, and I've had a wonderful time with you guys sitting here today. Hopefully I get to see you guys a whole lot more until my time here at UTEP and maybe even beyond that. So uh, hopefully I get to see you guys a whole lot more, and this is just the start of something really cool. That's good. Yeah. And Yeah, I agree Let's with you. Let's guest picker one week for the NFL segment. We should definitely do definitely. that, have him pick games against you. That yeah. would be a lot of fun. Every week we have a guest picker go up against me, so. 
Be fun. Let's we, do it. And we only pick we pick them uh, straight up, right? Not yeah, against the spread. Yeah, just straight All up. Right. Yeah, because you don't like you know, me doing betting. You can't. You're only 15. You can't bet legally. So yeah, yeah. we're just doing them legally, straight up. Legally. Straight up winners. That's right. It's for entertainment purposes only. We've stressed that on this radio show. Um, I know you want to talk about uh, realignment a little bit. So let me uh, get your thoughts as we we settle into this subject. You know, kind of just getting your thoughts on it. You're a college football player. How it affects Utah past this season. You know expansion that's obviously gonna be a big issue or even a good thing for a group of five teams so let me know your thoughts on it right I think that you know the first thing I want to talk about is just the expansion for college football in general and what it means for me as a player and as a college football fan growing up my entire life I don't like it I really don't like it I don't think that there's a whole lot of benefits for anything other than the money and the people that want to get more money out of these conferences and the tv rights and all that stuff I don't think that it's fun to watch USC go to the Big Ten. I don't think it's fun to watch UCLA go to the Big Ten or any of the other teams that are leaving. I think that there's so much history, there's so much culture, there's so much rich tradition in college football that that and, and that aspect supersedes the NFL. You know, the NFL is very team-based and, and people have their teams, but there's so much tradition and rich culture in college football. And when you start moving around these conferences and you create these super conferences and everyone's moving across the country, you start to lose a little bit of that continuity. You stop seeing the arrivals that you've you know, driven by on freeways every week or if you go take a road trip with your family or yeah. let's talk about uh, you know, maybe some sports that are not football. You know, I'm, a, I'm a football player, but yeah. there's a lot of people that are not football players that don't have those full ride scholarships within their program. And there could be you know, a tennis player or there could be a softball player that said, oh, I chose this school because it's affordable for my parents to come up and see me play you know, half of the games a year or more because it's local. However, now they're moving across, you know, the entire country and that just, that, that, that ruins so much of it. So I think that there's, that, that's one of the really cool things about college football is the atmosphere and the culture. And a lot of that's getting destroyed with this. Um, On the flip side, you talk about a group of five team like UTEP, who has been doing better and better every single year and really starting to get traction and grow into a great football program. And you think, okay, maybe there's some opportunity here. You know, what does the Pac-12 look like? What does the Mountain West look like? What does Conference USA look like? And everything's so changing right now. I don't have any of the answers for that. But I will tell you that that, I guess, is at least, at the very least, curiosity. And maybe next, some excitement of, you know, maybe what could be on the horizon. I'm not sure, but it, but it is exciting. I think it's definitely ruining college sports in general. I mean, you didn't think about the other sports. Say, like, a USC baseball. They fly commercial to probably most of their games. So you go play Rutgers on a Wednesday night. You get back at probably 3 or 4 in the morning. And then you got to go to class the next day. It's not like football or basketball. And even basketball, you're playing on weekdays. So don't put in a factor those things. And with the expansion, with all the times where, you know, you win the Big Ten, you get a first-round bye. You get second in the Big Ten, you know, you get to play first round of the playoffs. You get two main conferences. That sounds a lot like the NFL. And that's what I hate, because the best part of college football is that you get to hand-select the teams. It's not computerized like the NFL is. So you think that right now with realignment, we're, we're heading more to what could eventually be like an NFL model. Exactly. There's more tie-ins. You know, NFL, it's always like you win this many games, you're in the playoffs, you get this record, you're in the playoffs. College football is different. You can have two losses in a team with, say, undefeated record, you can get in over that team. So. We learned yesterday in the, El pa- in the uh, Los Angeles Times that... Even after USC and UCLA left, ESPN offered the Pac-12 $30 million in a media rights deal. And according to the article, one of the uh, presidents of of the remaining 10 schools talked to a professor who came up with some kind of crazy algorithm that suggested the value of the Pac-10 minus USC and UCLA should have been $50 million, not 30. million. 
and convince that president and the rest of the conference to go back to ESPN and go, we want 50. And as soon as ESPN heard that, they told the PAC to take a hike. That was the end of those negotiations. And until Apple came in at the last minute, which we all know helped uh, break apart uh, the Pac-12, that is the reason why we're in this predicament right now. So again, I bring it up to the same point, money. Money is what leads schools to go to other leagues. Money is what has led some of these conferences to deteriorate because everybody believes they're worth X amount of dollars. And when they don't get those dollars, they're going to keep waiting until they find it. Or, in the sense of the Pac-12, they lose the conference because they never were able to get the kind of media dollars that would have kept everybody around. Yeah, it's definitely interesting college football, Pac-12 in general, because now Pac-12, it's dead. You have the four teams left. What happens with those four teams? So I want to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, you know, like you said, Steve, we just went, you went through that whole rundown right now, and not a single thing about college football or schools were mentioned the entire time. It mm-hmm. was all media. It was yeah. all money. Yep. And it's like, at what point, I, I don't sit at the big table mm-hmm. at the conference office. I don't have a say in those things. But I wonder in those meetings and those discussions, when people get on the phone and there are, is being money talked about and there's these big decisions, does anybody raise their hand and say, well, what about the schools? Mm-hmm. Well, what about the people? Well, what about what we're actually doing here other than pluses and minuses to you know the, the, the balance sheet? We thought NIL could fix all this, but now there's even more issues on top of it because you got these billion-dollar conference deals and the players get none of that. That's true, too. Um, that's another thing. Uh, Cade, give me your take on NILs. Did Adrian, did you discuss that the first time you guys were uh, together? Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, people that you know, either they heard it the first time or they're going to hear it now uh, – what do you do? You like the way NIL is currently structured? Is it good for the student athletes? Does it need to be better? Uh, give me, give me your thoughts. Yeah, you know, I think it's we're still in the early stages of it, is what I think, and I think that it is. You know, they've referred to it as like the Wild West, where like there's like there's some rules, but then there's not, and so it's kind of just a lot of money being thrown around with the people that have the money, and and, and sometimes I think that can get out of hand. However, I will say I do like it for college athletes. Especially, you know, I can speak as a football player and us as football players, especially in those big power five schools, like there's a there's a lot of press, there's a lot of media and you're in the spotlight. And that's the only place that we have seen in the past before NIL where someone could be such a superstar and then not financially at least be a superstar. Now, the difference between that is, is obviously you're still a student and you're getting you're on scholarship and whatnot. So like the money isn't necessarily going, oh, you're just a superstar. This is where the money comes from. Now you start getting into the recruiting and stuff like that. And that's where it all gets hazy. Makes sense. You know, and so, you know, I think it's good for the players, though. I think it's good for the for a college football athlete that's a high profile athlete to be paid for them being a superstar. And, and if, if it could be as simple, if it's not as simple as that, but if it could be, I think that's a good thing. I think NIL is pretty great, but the only issue I have with NIL is, say, school collectives. Let's put an example out there. The Gator Collective, that's where pretty much you could get the boosters to donate to that, and then they can offer a deal to the player. So let's say Jane Rashada committed to Florida. They offered him a $14 million deal from the Gator Collective. So that's basically paying for a player. And then the deal fell through, but 
that's paying for a player. Right. That's not the essential what you wanted where Caleb Williams can get a deal from in and out. That's kind of like the NIL where it was made for to get brand deals from Apple, Nike, these schools, mm-hmm. not necessarily the Gator Collective or the Michigan Wolverine Collective. NIL stands for name image likeness. It doesn't mean here is a huge wad of cash to go ahead and sign with our school, which, exactly. which it has turned into for some student athletes. There's no doubt about it. Then again, if you put yourself on a television commercial and you're talking about that that product, and uh, you're on TV, you should be compensated for that. And athletes are. And I'm happy they are because they never would have been before. Now they get that opportunity. Right. And, you know, like we were talking about with the conferences, moving in the culture of college football, that's something I feel very strongly about because, you know, for anybody that's, you know, an NCAA fan for any sport, you know, there's the culture behind that. And when you start paying for players as people would say or trying to get people to come because of money to your school Mm. well that doesn't feel like you're going for the reasons that people have gone for the last hundred years to a certain school you're supposed to go to a school because you love that place Mm -hmm. or as an athlete you love the coaches there you love the atmosphere and there's so many different things that go into it not necessarily dollar signs i think it would be awesome if you could go to a school and become a superstar and then promote yourself that way and be on a commercial or be you know sponsored by in and out and things like that like lane was saying like that that feels more authentic to me where is your favorite place to go eat uh here in el paso wow that's a that's a really good one that is a really good one i i it may be a a very you know basic answer but i'm a huge wing guy chicken wing guy and i love track one's double dip wings okay i I love it so if we could get track one to put an nil deal together with you for those double-dip wings, you would be more than happy to uh, tell everybody about just how good those wings are, especially if uh, whenever you go to track one, you can order the uh, Cade McConnell wings, and next thing you know, uh, you've got those uh, double-dips with your name on it. I would love it. I would uh, If that happened, I would make sure that track one became globally recognized. That's I how will much... work on that. <laughs> yeah. See, these are the NIL things that you can get done. These are the things that would be great. All we're talking about is just having a local wing place that happens to have the best wings in town uh, be your be your spot right Right. and i think they could be some of the best wings in the nation so you know track one let's get it done huh what do you think kate's got big aspirations for this yeah i mean that's great idea more restaurants in el paso start sponsoring utah players give them nil deals that's right that would be what what it's all about all right i'm running out of time you have one question for kate before we wrap things up with you guys let me think about it uh tell me why utep is gonna have going to be different this year, have a great season. I, I think it's it comes down to the leadership that's on the team, the veterans that are there, and when you have that nucleus of players, your, the rest of the team gets lifted up. And whether that's young guys around them, whether that's guys playing behind them, everybody on the staff, everybody in the locker room, and all these guys are surrounding behind the core nucleus of players that we have, and everybody has this sense of attitude of, this is the year that we got to do this, we have to rise up, and it's time to play the best football that we've ever played. And I think that's very possible. I think our, our record Record could be better than we've ever seen it in the past, in, in a very long time, and I have nothing but high hopes for this team. Yeah, I've it's got exciting. nothing but high hopes for the two of you. I'm excited about this, Cade. You were terrific. Thanks for stopping by, as always. Lane, what can I tell you? I'm going to be with you this weekend. I am going to see you in action tomorrow. I am going to be that guy that gets you anything you need and hopefully enjoys the ride like I know I will. So I'm excited about it. Can't wait to see you in action tomorrow. And uh, we're we're like flipping the script a little bit here, you know, because I I normally, well, when I host this, you're my guest and the show, and now you're going to be the host and I'm going to be your guest. So I like that. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be a really exciting day, really exciting night. I'm excited for it. Good job. Yeah, happy for it. Appreciate you both being here. Thanks again for the time. Thank you.
You got it. Cade McConnell along with Lane Frank as we continue. Quarter past. Uh, we'll get to one last traffic update with Charlie, and then we'll wrap things up next as we get uh, Tim Haggerty up. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso.